Welcome back to Techtopia, the podcast of Better Better Future. Today on the show, we have Suraj Patel. He is a politician with a deep tech background. This is Technotopia. Are you hiring? Are you posting your position on job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? This episode of Technotopia is sponsored by ZipRecruiter, and they knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never, ever miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. It is free if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash techno. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash techno. ZipRecruiter.com slash techno. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Suresh Patel. He's candidate for Congress, New York, 12th Congressional District. Uh, welcome, Suresh. Uh, this is this is a uh, fascinating stuff. So you're so you're in Manhattan and Greenpoint and Long Island City, and all kinds all the all the exciting parts of New York. You want to you want to run for Congress for that? Yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> this, is this is the yeah, one of the most dynamic, diverse, um, aspirational, incredible neighborhoods or or uh, uh, groups of neighborhoods, right? Groups of neighborhoods, exactly. Group of neighborhoods in America, in the world, frankly. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. So first off, why don't you talk a little bit about your uh, your background? Uh, where did you come from in terms of yeah, so, uh, career and? Uh... Absolutely. So I was, um, you know, so I my family moved to the United States about ten years before I was born. So I'm a first generation uh, American. I was born in Mississippi, incidentally, um, even though they came from India <laughs> in 1983, mm-hmm. where my family bought a burnt down seafood restaurant. And uh, converted it to a Tex-Mex restaurant, naturally. Sure, sure. Um, and, <laughs> and ran that in southern Mississippi. And then um, I grew up in Indiana where we ran uh, and built motels and a construction company. And we're building motels and hotels across small towns in, in Indiana and uh, in the Midwest growing up. Then we grew up you know, doing the laundry and working in the um, construction sites and stuff like that, uh, building vending, vending machines and everything. And then I ended up going to Stanford for undergrad, NYU for law school. So when I was 22, I moved to New York City, and I have not left since because it's the best place on earth. Mm-hmm. Why are you getting uh, into uh, politics? So I've always been interested in politics, and one big reason is because um, I remember growing up, you know, as a first-generation American in a place where I was pretty out of place, uh, and thinking, you know, politics has such a uh, two two big things. It is um, affords the opportunity to be sort of part and parcel of the culture and community that you are living in, that you've adopted, right, as a first-generation American. The other side is, I know how remarkably, like, I grew up idolizing the 60s and, um, you know, thinking, look, I know how remarkable a force of good uh, political campaigns, politics, public service can be, and how that hasn't been the case for so long and the way our campaigns are run and all that. So when I came to NYU, I actually left uh, a couple of years in uh, during law school to work for the Obama campaign full-time in 2008 uh, and again in 2012, and I ended up working for the White House, um, traveling around the country and world, uh, prepping and doing production for his events, for President Obama's events. And then this last election happened, and I said, look, we really need a new, and this segues into this conversation, which is we really need a new future, 
right? We really desperately need a future that is going in a different trajectory than the one that we see right now um, as a society. What does that mean? To, what, what does a new future mean? What does that mean in terms, of, uh, in terms of what we need to build or what we need to do? So I think what's the, the thing that makes me most encouraged is that in, in the next five, 10 years, we are going to be revolutionizing nearly every facet of our lives um, thanks to technology and that tipping point we're hitting, whether that's autonomous cars or um, blockchain as a way to um, deliver services better um, and protect our identities better, all those kinds of things. And yet um, politics is decades behind. And the speed of this disruption really, really creates, I think, a lot of societal problems um, that, that manifest themselves in, in the way that they did in this last election, right? Leaving too many people behind um, that we need to make sure that as we continue going forward, like tech is a fre freight train. It is not stopping. Mm -hmm. um, it's our job to not try to bottle up the things we don't understand or be fearful of them. It's our job to channel them, understand them and channel them towards good. Now, in my, for, for example, in my um, current congressional race, my opponent and I were on a stage together. And at one point, she's like, you know, and there's that, the the, blah, the Bitcoin. No one understands the Bitcoin. I'm like, well, a lot of people understand Bitcoin. You can drop the article, the. And, um, and, and a lot of people uh, understand its potential. It's your job as a policymaker to understand it, not just fear monger around it. And to figure out a way to make sure that it is channeled um, in a way to to benefit society and especially those most vulnerable among us. Mm -hmm. How do how do we teach? But like, yeah, yeah. Keep going. But, but, no, sorry to continue. The biggest problems we face with that uh, burgeoning cost of healthcare, uh, sea levels that are rising. You know, New York's coastline has gone up by a foot since 1900 um, in sea level. Like we know that climate change is here and it's upon us. All these things are going to take massive scientific breakthroughs um, and and you know technological shifts to solve. But I have all the faith in um, the ingenuity uh, and creativity of humankind, as it always has in human history, to solve these problems. But it's got to start with a, a politics that doesn't demagogue science and empirical fact and research and evidence. Hell, my opponent was a anti-vaxxer mm -hmm. for 20 years in Congress. <laughs> Does it get frustrating to, uh, to have to uh, explain, explain all this stuff? I mean, most people do understand that like the climate is changing. Science mm -hmm. is real. Empirical evidence is, you know, the only kind of evidence we should be looking at. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes you're, you're up there saying to yourself, how did we get here? How do we, you know, find ourselves with a politics that's that's so far behind. In fact, I always talk about this with the voting because we were. I was just uh, had coffee with a guy who was trying to uh, introduce blockchain-based voting, right? So you can mm -hmm. vote online and it's secure and it's uh, verified and all that stuff. And um, I was thinking to myself, look, every other company and industry in America, even for that last purchase decision, has spent billions of dollars to make it more efficient to make sure you make that purchase, right? And so I'm able to. Um, buy my Starbucks coffee mm -hmm. with my phone and with me putting my face to it, let alone touching a button. Um, and yet in, in, in elections, we're probably have gone backwards for 20 years. You're like being still, you know, I just voted last week and, um, you know, you're still going through some binder 
in one location mm-hmm. with your name and your signature on it and someone's matching that up. I mean, it's like the most asinine thing on earth. It's like, <laughs> at first you think to yourself, maybe this is just by design. Maybe uh, the people in political power in office don't have an interest in opening up the franchise, in making the their re-elections less predictable. John, did you know 98% of incumbents in, a, in uh, Congress are re-elected to office? Mm-hmm. Uh, that run for office, it's freaking crazy, right? And it's like, well, they're the only ones that make the rules for their elections. They're the ones who get to decide um, who their voters are by drawing their own districts, how these people can vote by making laws around registration and registration deadlines and voter ID and all that, um, and making election day in probably the least convenient time possible. For me, that's June 26th, middle of summer on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess is their attitude, but uh, but it's plenty broken, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just not broken for their re-elections. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. How can uh, how can normal human beings uh, try to fix this stuff, or do they all have to uh, become congressmen? No, normal human beings um, are are uh, the key piece here. Look, at the end of the day, no matter how annoying and um, how much uh, how many barriers are thrown up, and how out of touch our political establishment is, the power still resides in in the people to go vote. We've got 6.8% turnout in my congressional primary, which means all it takes is, uh, you know, 10 or 15,000 people to say, you know what, this, it, you ought to be incensed that the political establishment does not want you to vote. It should bother you to the point where you get out, uh, as inconvenient as it may be, and spend the 15 minutes of your day to go and make your choice because it's the demand side. Um, of this equation that that you and I should be focused on, that regular people should be focused on. It's like, we're the ones. We're the ones in, in power. We've forgotten it a bit. Um, and, you know, it's going to take a bit, but I think we've, we've definitely had a point where we're, you know, we've seen the most engagement and activity and action in my lifetime uh, around, you know, politics and activism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does the world look like uh, after you're elected and then in 20 years? So, I, I mean, I'm hoping that we begin a movement to completely refresh uh, policymakers and politics altogether, and we bury this stalemate, ideological left-right sort of old-school stalemate, and actually tackle these problems that have been kicked down the road for so long. Climate change is the, the single existential problem that exists on this planet, mm-hmm. and it needs to be dealt with. And in, ideally, in 20 years, we have put in place a market-based mechanism to put a cap on the amount of carbon that we emit in this country and in this world, and hopefully by then see some technological breakthroughs to um, take carbon out of the air that's already been you know, increased uh, over the last 200, 300 years um, to, to sort of reset this planet. That, that's, that's my dream. You know, that's worth, but look, there's so many other things then in the whole world, I think, is much more connected, and in its connection, there, um, you know, by by hopefully, crazy ideas like hyperloops and whatever that is. Um, hopefully, we make humanity come a little closer together, and and then you know, uh, find in its differences sort of a oneness that makes it a little more peaceful. I mean, that's at least what we've seen in every hope and dream of sci-fi movies. Hey, no. today, by the way, is Star Wars Day. I forgot about that. <laughs> How do how do you uh, avoid sinking into despair if you're 
if you look at uh, politics, if you look at the world right now, what's the uh, what's what's the optimistic view of this whole thing? Because it, it's as as dire as things look, you know, the good news is much like nature, much like climate, much like everything else, um, policy, politics, all this stuff is not linear. These are all tipping points. And as quickly as this looks disgusting right now, it can quickly be turned back. But the difference between 49% and 51% is a massive sea change in what our future looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And so the other side and people that are um, very reactionary or reactive, retrograde, or whatever you want to say, they want you to feel despondent. They want you to look around and throw up your hands and say, God, there is no way we can fix this. Let's just be depressed and stay home. They want you to not show up. They want you to feel that despondency. And so you should take that as a motivation and say, no, no, despondency has no place here. We are, we are agents, right? We have agency. And so um, I, I think, and I think people recognize that right now. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a record number of people both running for office and being active. And again, I know this, this podcast isn't about politics, but I'm trying to uh, impress upon you that if, so many of us in, in your sector and everywhere else wash our hands of it because it's so bad, then we will be governed by our inferiors. And unfortunately, still, as imperfect as this system is, it is the best system we have of government um, in human history, which is a republic. And therefore, uh, it's our job to keep it. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah. What is, are you, are you, uh, looking forward to anything in particular in uh, terms of technology right now? Absolutely. I mean, I personally, let's be frank, I hate driving. Uh, <laughs> and traffic fatalities, tra- the cars are the most dangerous things in, in the world. I live in New York City. I almost get killed by a car every few seconds. And so, and that's because I text and walk. I know it's my own fault. But um, but uh, truth is, I think self-driving cars will revolutionize congestion, will rev- revolutionize cities. Uh, in a way that we, we as policymakers should be looking forward to a world where we can rebuild our cities around um, you know, better lifestyles, uh, parks, pedestrian zones, and all those things. We don't need to all individually own these things. And certainly I hope we get to the point one day where people are like, I can't believe you used to be driving those dangerous things. So that is something that's very tangible and it's right in front of our face and I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. It has the potential to do a lot of, lot of things for, for my city, for New York City. And again, I think we in New York City should be at the forefront of that, right? In promulgating regulations and welcoming that technology here because, God, we have the most to gain from it. All right, very cool. Where can people find out more about your, uh, your campaign? So you can go to my website at june26.nyc. That's june26.nyc. And the reason we did that is because the election day is June 26th, and that is our single biggest issue in this campaign, which is just getting people to know that there's an election coming up. I know. Um, when I met you, I'm like, oh, this is going to be November. And no, it's June 26th. Pretty nuts. Yeah. So sear that into your listeners' heads and, uh, and then definitely spread the word about it. Um, like I said, 10, 12,000 votes and we could begin to begin to shit. That sounds going to sound pretty intense, but 10 to 12,000 votes and we could begin to change the tide of, of, um, of exactly what we started talking about here. All right. Very cool. All right. Thank you for joining us. This is a, this has been an interesting departure as well. Uh, <laughs> a little politics. All right, John. Thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. 
Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is presented by your host, John Biggs. It was produced by Rick Barr of Bar26 Entertainment at ricksvoice.com. It appears every Friday at noon, and we're always looking to talk to interesting people. Tweet at John Biggs if you'd like to join us on the show.